0: You're listening to The Lively Show, episode 185. Welcome to The Lively Show. I'm your host, Jess Lively, and this blogcast is designed to uplift, inspire, and add a little extra intention to your everyday. Welcome to the show, guys. Thank you so much, as always, for listening. Today's episode is brought to you by Aptive, the on-demand audio fitness app that combines the guidance of a trainer with the perfect playlist to give you a fresh way to work out. To get a free 30-day trial of Aptive, which is perfect right now during the holidays, go over to aptive.com. That's A-A-P-T-I-V.com. Then click on the sign up button and enter the code THELIVELYSHOW. SHOW. At the end of this episode, I'll be speaking with Active user Dara McCall about the app. Now let's move on to this episode. Today, I am speaking to you still from London until the end of this week. Actually, tomorrow, to be specific, I'll be heading out of town and getting back into the States and I'll share where that is exactly where I'll be spending the holidays at the end of the show. But for now, let's talk about today's show. Today, we have Aaron Lochner back on the show That last episode we had with her last week was such magic that I knew I needed to have her back, and it's actually a request that Erin had. This is a request from her. She's been listening to The Lively Show ever since she was the first guest, I guess, on The Lively Show, and she wanted to go over the terms that share and go over every now and then in the episodes, whether they're solo shows or if it's in an interview. I drop a lot of different lingo, so we're going to go through those terms. The plan was to go through about, I want to say like like 20 terms in this episode, and the truth is our conversation ended up being over an hour and a half on just the first three. We go into a ton of different things, and I've cut this interview down so that it – It's not really an interview, guys. This is definitely much more of a conversation or Aaron asking me questions on the lingo. But we cut it down and we really did only get into the first three terms because there's so much to say on them. And it was very cool to have this conversation in part because I have been learning so much over this year and there hasn't always been an opportunity in an interview or in a solo show to share all of these ideas. So there's so much in this episode that I haven't yet shared or put into verb for you yet, but comes up here. So I'm so excited to do so in this episode. And for those that are new to Erin, if you haven't listened to her other episodes in episode number one of The Lively Show or in last week's episode, she is the major blogger behind the site designformankind.com, and she also has her new book out recently called Chasing Slow. Let's go to the show. Erin, thank you so much for coming on the show again. Oh my gosh.
1: Come on. I'm so excited. I'm so excited about today.
0: I know. I am not really sure what's going to happen and neither are you. And that's (laughs) kind of the magic of this one, I think. This is actually an Aaron request, right? This is like a lively show Aaron request. Totally. Yes. This is like we need more of Jess. Unpack this for me, please. Okay. Yeah. Explain what the request was.
1: Okay. I love listening to you. And sometimes during the podcast, I... I'm like, that is so over my head. I can't even, and I want to ask you a hundred questions and you're not there for me. I mean, you're there, but I'm not able to ask those questions in that moment. So what we're going to do, I think, here's where we're starting with this is we're going to go through the Jess glossary, if you will, of all of your terms. And then when something doesn't make sense or is unclear, I'm going to be like, okay, whoa, 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 back up too woo-woo, I don't understand. And then you're going to explain it to me.
0: (laughs) All right. That sounds wonderful. I think I might call it lively show lingo. Kind of sounds like it has a nice ring to it. Yes. That's what we need. Yeah. Just a glossary
1: of definition and here's your lingo and this is what it means and here are the words for it. And now we can all be on the same page.
0: I think this is going to be very interesting. And for those that have listened to the show forever, or if you've taken Life With Intention online, you're going to have a greater understanding of some of these terms than others. However, I think that what's going to come out of our dialogue is actually going to go to new and interesting places. And typically, I'm either going on a mission that I have to share on a solo show, or I'm just asking questions and throwing these terms in. So it's going to be fun to be able to really explain them from where I'm standing now or where I'm sitting at this moment now to hopefully help you guys. And I just think there's going to be some interesting insights that come from this and maybe new stuff that even I'm going to unpack in explaining this stuff to you. So let's get started. Oh, yes. Let's see what happens. Okay, I kind of broke this up for everyone that's listening into three different sections. So the first one is just the main stuff that's gonna be the underpinnings of everything else. So we'll go through those three terms. I'm guessing some people will know what they are and they'll be very familiar for most. Then we'll do life with intention terms because going forward into January, I'm gonna be having two classes twice a year. Life with intention, which is great for those that are very logical and thinking oriented. If your Myers-Briggs is an ST, especially, that class is really going to probably be the one that resonates the most or feels the most natural. And then we're going to get into flow with intention terms, which have been the new terms that have come up since April or May of this year, as I've been going on the lively adventure and all of those new terms and the new class that's coming for those who are excited to explore the more out there, the more I think leading edge and harder to define. And I think The new concepts that are coming into consciousness, they're not new in and of themselves, but they feel newer to be spoken about in our lingo today in society, and then we'll get into that stuff. So that's how we're going to break up the terms. Sound good? Oh my gosh, I can't even wait. Okay, so why don't you lead this for us? So
1: we talk a lot about ego, and I know we talked about it in our episode, and I feel like there's a few definitions of ego floating out there, and I want to know yours. When you say the word ego, what do you mean?
0: I use the term ego, not from Freud. I use it from Eckhart Tolle. The power of now is the, to me, wonderful, I would say like probably the most recommended place I can say to start in any of this work. And the reason is because Eckhart explains what the ego is in a way that I had never heard of it before, but immediately resonated with the message. So ego in that concept means it's the thought processes, any thoughts you're having that feel separate and unpeaceful. So anything that makes you feel separated, like you're inflated or better than other people, that's egotistical. We all kind of think of that often, but also is the part of us that makes us feel inferior or not good enough as someone else. It's the part that feels jealous, envious, or prideful, or anything that creates a disconnect between yourself and others and has a kind of a sense of unease or unpeacefulness around it. Does that make sense?
1: Oh, yes. So what would you say to then the people that are thinking egotistical thoughts and find rest there? Like, oh, okay, I'm still okay. I'm better than this person.
0: Well, I think that's a false sense of security. And I think that if you pick up that end of the stick, the other end of the stick is going to be there. So if you're in the realm of judgment, like I'm better or worse and so and so, there's a scale there and there's always going to be someone that's better off than you that you could end up feeling bad about. If you choose to feel happy because you're better than some, it's very likely that you will be triggered by others you feel not as good as as well eventually.
1: Because it's the same stick.
0: Yes, you're picking up the same stick, exactly. You're picking up the stick of separation. The Course in Miracles would say, any thought that is not love is a cry for healing or help, or it is based on fear. So even thinking you're better than someone else is still rooted in fear, if you can believe it or not. Yes,
1: absolutely. Okay, so ego would be just anything that is bringing unease due to an outside feeling or emotion that is not part of your intuition? Is that what you're saying?
0: Yeah, it's anything that's not peaceful. I always explain this through the story of my breakup. In my mid-20s, I broke up with my college boyfriend and we stayed together until September 1st, even though we decided it was like around May 1st that that would happen. We were too poor to break the lease. So we had like four or five months of being together in a loving relationship until September 1st when the lease would break. And that was really hard because we weren't changing our situation. Our life situation was going to stay, but we knew it was like a terminal illness. Like we were going to pull the plug on this relationship on this day, even though I wanted to theoretically get married eventually and he just needed more time to figure himself out. We knew we were making the right choice, but my ego had a field day and said it was too hard. It was impossible to spend every day loving this person, knowing that in like five weeks, four weeks, three weeks, we would be single and apart. So that voice in me was constantly on a rampage. And in the same time I'd have these calls with my girlfriends, I'd take a deep breath and then I would say, but at least it's happening now. We're not married. Better than this year, than next year. I know that he deserves to sweep someone off their feet, and I deserve to be swept off my feet. Basically, we deserve to be ready for this. And I knew, I could see why deep down there was something good for this for him. He needed to have that sense of self around himself. And I had this deep faith, this deep, deep, deep faith that some reason, somehow this was good for me too. I just didn't know why yet. And now when I had those two different voices in the same conversation over and over again with girlfriends, that's when I realized there's two places within me that felt totally different around the same situation. So anyone listening right now, if you're in a situation that sucks and it's not gonna end for a while, A period of time that's just like, this is not happy for your ego whatsoever, it is the perfect training ground for understanding ego and intuition because that was what really got me to understand it is not just in a moment that happens and then it goes away, but on an enduring basis to watch the conversation stay the same between both voices is really where for me, I really got to peel them apart and see them as totally different parts of myself.
1: That is a fascinating example, because then would you go so far as to say that if ego is something that's not bringing you peace, an emotion, a feeling, a a thought, would intuition then be the
0: one that brings you peace? Exactly. So when I had that deep breath and I said, at least it's happening now, there's got to be something in this that's great for me. I understand why this is good for him too. You know, this is at least we're not married now and this isn't next year. All of those peaceful places within me, that was intuition. What's the difference between intuition and optimism? I don't know that there really necessarily is a difference or needs to be defined as a difference. I think you could have an ego being optimistically hoping to be better than someone else next year or prettier than someone, right? That might be still based on fear, but it's optimistic about it. Or the intuition is completely optimistic at all times. That has been something I have found is that whenever I ask my intuition, is everything unfolding? You know, is this working out for me? I always hear absolutely, always, and yes. <laughs> It's a very positive source within me. It's always peaceful in the present moment, but it's not going to tell you your fortune like 10 years from now. It's going to tell you what you need to have access to peace in the present moment. It's kind of like this moment to moment guide. And if you continue, because the only thing that exists is right now right? Right now exists. The future is a concept in our head. The past is a concept in our heads, but this moment's all there is. So the intuition cannot tell you the future. It can only tell you right now what the right step is to take. But if you string enough of those now, 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 now moments together, that path of now is the right peaceful step. This is the right peaceful step. This is That is charting a course that is going to surprise and delight you in the most wondrous of ways that you can't even imagine right now.
1: I love that definition. Optimism feels very blind faith to me. And this feels like just faith. Like there's a difference between optimism and faith, in my opinion. And intuition feels almost as if you're tapping into some sort of
0: guiding light, whatever. So what's gonna happen is it requires faith of you to follow the intuition. So the intuition will tell you what you need to do to have peace in the present moment. One of the other tenets of all of this is that we are here to grow and expand. So in order to grow and expand, and if we're not growing and expanding, then we're stagnating and then we feel stuck. And that's where the ego will often try to keep us stuck in things that it's comfortable with because ego loves security and safety. So even in a crappy situation, it'll feel safe in that moment, in that place that it's at. In order to grow and expand, are being encouraged to go into things that feel uncertain. So we have to have faith that when we take that step of faith (laughs) or of the intuition, that things will work out even though we don't know where it's going to take us. Like for me, selling the house and not knowing where I was going to live and still going on this trip like eight or nine months later, not knowing where I'm going to live next or knowing where I'm going to be next in the world. Yeah, and
1: it seems less like everything's going to be okay and more like you're going to be okay.
0: You are okay. That's what it is. It's you are okay. You are okay. You are okay. You
1: are okay. Because it feels very uncircumstantial. You know, it's not that it's based on really events or external anything. It's just optimism maybe says that you have faith in the situation and intuition maybe says you have faith in yourself.
0: Yeah, so if you have faith in following the steps and the actions led by the intuition. So what normally happens is the ego creates a plan and it says, I wanna go to here. And then it's like, I'm gonna action my way there. And I'm gonna assume that if these are the steps that, if this is what I want to happen, it's going to unfold in alignment and flow really easily. But it's not asking the intuition, it's just making the ego decision at that time. So I can give an example here. Would that be helpful? So I decided a few years ago, and I always talk about this, to do some workshops and travel around the country because I saw a blog shop with Brie Emery doing these Photoshop workshops It looked so beautiful and fun. So I was business coaching at the time and thought, this looks like a great idea. I would love to do something like this for business coaching. So I had a great heart about it, if you will. I wasn't doing it in a way that would I thought would hurt anyone else. It wasn't like ego like that. I had a good intention behind it. However, the big thing that I didn't do was ask my intuition if it was something I should do or not. So I started doing it and I started taking action, assuming that they would start selling out and that I would start making money on it and that it would work without consulting the intuition. I made the decision from my rational brain I plotted the course and I started doing them around the country, but I only sold 50% of the events, no matter what price point or how many people or what kind of format I tried them in. So eventually I asked my intuition point blank, what should I do next? And I heard an answer that was completely unrelated to business coaching altogether. And I knew in that moment that that's why the workshops weren't working. It's because I wasn't doing the thing that I was supposed to be doing in that moment. And so it was actually a blessing. I was not in alignment. I did not flow. I charted a course and I ended up losing $5,000 in the process. So I've learned from that learning experience, really, I needed to have that in order to know how powerful it is that you, and that you fact that you can just ask your intuition. That was news to me. And I needed to spend that $5,000 and travel across the country in order to get to that bathroom line in Austin, Texas at Clark's Seafood Restaurant to ask myself, my intuition specifically what should I do next instead of deciding and assuming the flow would follow. I think that's why so many people have blogs and businesses and careers and families and whatever's not working in their lives is because they never stop to ask their intuition if that was the right course of action for themselves. And because of that, they're kind of going up the river, going upstream, assuming flow is going to follow and it's not.
1: Yes. Now would you go as far as to say, was it a tip off to your brain that the reason that you started the idea of the workshops was because someone else found success doing it and that that was kind of a trigger like, oh, this must be ego related. Like, Can you train your brain to find those during the decision process?
0: I think that you're right that my ego saw it and said, oh, that's shiny. Look how pretty that looks. They were so pretty. Do you remember a blog shop? Did you ever go? No, I didn't. Bree's great. And the events looked fantastic. She was having such amazing flow with them. She was selling them out as fast as she was creating them. She's doing them all over the world. It looked like so much fun. I just kind of had not envy like in a jealous way, but envy in an inspirational way. Like, oh, this looks like fun. I'd love to take my one-on-one coaching on the road and just kind of do something similar. But it was her path that was flowing. And I was trying to copy her path. And how common is that in general for people? Is to just like see, oh, this is working for so-and-so, so therefore it's obviously gonna work if I follow their steps too. Not the case because everyone's intuition is telling them something different and is guiding them on their own stream. So even people looking at my life or your life, we have very different looking lives, but people could look at either one and want pieces of them or exactly one of them, but it's not gonna have flow for them because they have to look at their own internal guidance and flow with what is in front of them for themselves.
1: Which would be alignment before action, right?
0: Yeah, we're going to get to that in the flow with intention part. So here's the quick way I describe the experience of the ego versus intuition. The ego, when I was in that breakup phase, felt like a fire hydrant spewing all the thoughts of what I want, thought, and felt 24-7. Anne Lamott calls it radio station KFKD. (laughs) And there's many different terms out there. Lizard brain is something Seth Godin uses. All those types of labels people assign to ego. I mean, you could even look at it and say that potentially the word devil is even just ego. So that, I'm not going to get into a whole Christianity or religious belief thing here, but that is this, this idea of there's like the separation. Then the intuition, when I made this term up, this is just how I experienced these, the best way to describe them. But what's beautiful about these analogies is water is thought for both analogies. So the ego spewing like a fire hydrant without my consent all the time. It's just happening, happening, happening. The intuition, on the other hand, felt like a water well. And in a water well, how do you get the water out of the well, Erin? With a pump? Yes, a pump or a bucket, right? Either way, the water is still and calm until you request of it. Does that make sense? So it's just chilling there. It's there waiting to be tapped. And if we don't tap it, it's just laying there dormant most of the time while the fire hydrant has us so distracted in our heads. So I always say that the water well feels like it's in our bodies. So it's usually in our chest if you're a heart person or a gut if you're a gut person or stomach area. So either one, which are you? I'm guessing your heart, but are you heart or gut? Where do you feel peaceful
1: I don't know. Can you tell? Because like when pressure comes, you feel it in one of
0: those areas. Okay. Think about a time you've had a peaceful sense of knowing, probably with the adoption process. When you made the decision to go to the US instead of going abroad, there's probably some peace around that. Where do you feel like you would have sensed that in your body, in your chest or your stomach?
1: Ooh. here's the funny thing. I think I sense peace in my chest, but I sense non-peace in my gut. What does that mean?
0: Yeah. Like butterflies. Okay. So I always say to focus on the part that feels peaceful. So that's why I did think you are a heart person too. I find that probably, and this is rough, I have not done an exact sample size to say this, but I would say roughly 75% of people are gut people that I find and 25 to 30% are heart. And it's more common for men to be gut and more common of the 30% for women to be the heart. But that doesn't mean anything. All I want people to do is focus their thought and their energy and their attention on their body rather than the brain where the ego. I always say the ego for me feels like it's one inch inside of my right ear. So it's there so loud and right so close to my ear, it literally feels like it's screaming at me <laughs> a lot of the time. But the intuition is a little more removed and it's peaceful and calm and it's literally the water well that you need to ask questions to often, or you can, that's the big, 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 big thing I want. If anything, the people can get on the show. And I don't feel like it's said enough in the world. I don't feel like there's enough places out there sharing this is that you can hear by asking questions. You don't have to wait until the well overflows because that's another option. You can avoid it. You can follow your ego all day long. And eventually, as you continue to go against your intuition and you drown it out with the ego thoughts, eventually that water well will slowly rise and overflow until the point where the overflowing is so uncomfortable the ego can't rationalize its course of action that's keeping you stuck in this crappy place. And so you have to go into the uncertainty, kind of like if someone loses is their job, that they really hated it all along, and now they're just forced to take action, that's a situation that the circumstances make you shift. But sometimes, like even a bad relationship, you make excuses for years, and eventually you finally like run out of excuses. You don't have to wait until it's that uncomfortable. You can ask really early on in a relationship if it's right or not for you, and your intuition will tell you what you need to know for peace.
1: Okay, yes, that I'm tracking now. Because, and I think it, I a little bit understood when you started talking about the ego like the devil. I, I was raised super evangelical Christian, so whatever. That makes sense to me. But I think for me, then intuition would be the act of prayer and the act of praying. Praying for me is asking a lot of questions. I don't know if it's like that for other people.
0: Yes. And the thing is, you get answers this way. This is the thing. I don't really want to make this about religion because I know so many people have such strong reactions to the whole concept of that, especially around Christianity in America. So if I was to really be 100% honest, and if you super hate religion, then just skip forward like 30 seconds and just don't even listen if it's going to make you upset. (laughs) But here's the thing. All of these things, religions and everything, are speaking to the same universal truth. And especially after spending some time with Eckhart Tolle and hearing him explain Jesus's concepts from how he experiences them, it's completely the same as Buddha. It's just like slight differences. It's not even major. So now that doesn't mean Christianity is interpreting that on a daily basis in your local church. But it's just that the actual teachings, when seen from a highly conscious place, are completely this almost the same. So prayer, yes. What was really interesting and I think is lost about prayer is it's that's what it is. It's asking the questions and hearing from that deeper place. If you wanted to look at it and use the terms, these are just labels. These are not Christian concepts. Please don't look at it that way if you're not Christian. And if you're Christian, that's wonderful you use these concepts, but please don't think that you are the only owner of these terms. These are things that are just labels. So ego could be devil and intuition could be Holy Spirit. These are just terms. I don't want people to say, screw this, this is not about the Holy Spirit. It's about the fact that you are able to hear something within you. I don't care what you call it and what your beliefs are around it. Please try it. And prayer, I think, is actually one of the reasons I think Christianity is kind of one opportunity, I guess, Christianity has, in my opinion, is to actually dwell more on the fact that you can hear from this. It's just, I think when you think about certain religions or crazy stuff that people can say they hear from God and then do crazy things that hurt other people, which are not really based on intuition or peace. And so that I think people have been taken advantage of in those ways. So people are afraid to say, I've heard from the Holy Spirit or God or anything because there's been the abuse of that concept. But that doesn't mean it's not there or true. Yes. And I agree with
1: you in that I feel like a lot of times we're speaking to the same thing and using different words for it. And I went to India this summer and, and was just fascinated by all of the – This they were the same tenets that I believe. And we were saying the same thing. <laughs> And I think that's a really beautiful description. And and it's also a beautiful disclaimer. Like these are very universal truths, very universal concepts that have helped us to live the life that we were intended to live and live better and with more peace. And I think we get really hung up on the terminology around it, which is why it's so important. I think we spent a lot of time on ego versus intuition, but there are so many different words we're using to explain it. And language is so powerful. So whatever that means, you know, if, if you use the word child of God
0: or child of the light or child of love. You know, I think it's, it's kind of all the same, right? Yeah. It's just, it's whatever label feels comfortable for you. That's it. Just pick the one you like. Pick the one you like. I use intuition because A, people ask me about religion and my faith. I was raised Catholic growing up, so I definitely know the most about Catholicism. However, I feel like it's a buffet. All of them are speaking to the same truths. I use all of them interchangeably and I love them all. So I'm either all of them or none of them because I will not choose one to be, because they're all speaking to the same thing. So to me, I'm either one or none, depending on how you feel like defining it, I don't care. I love them all. So I participate in the pieces of them that resonate for me in all of them and also I, let go of the pieces that don't serve me and don't resonate for my intuition. And I use the terms ego and intuition very deliberately because I don't see this in a religious context exclusively at all. I've never found someone that tells me, just I don't have an intuition. So no one will deny that they have an intuition, which is why that's the term that I use, because there's a lot of other terms I could choose that people would side with. And I really don't think this is a matter of any type of faith. It's about experiencing it within yourself.
1: Yes. And it's not about the opposite of logic either, because I think there are plenty of people that are very intuitive, but also very logical and emotional. They have many facets of their character as well. So when I hear intuition, I think it's the opposite end of logic. That might not be true either.
0: Oh, my gosh. This is such a fun conversation. Okay. So – Albert Einstein, which is so great because when I have the really strong T Myers-Briggs people, the really logical the people that really that's their special space, they can get a little, you know, thinking I'm a little crazy. But then I say about Albert Einstein, who's a scientist that they usually revere or respect in some way, he said this wonderful line that said, the intuition is a sacred gift and the rational mind, which you just brought up, is a faithful servant. The problem is in our society, we have forgotten the gift and revere the servant. So, what I believe has kind of happened is our society, and this is something called spiral dynamics, which is a whole nother. I didn't even put this in this show yet. I want to bring this into next year's episodes. But spiral dynamics is this interesting thing about looking at consciousness and how we, our paradigms of the world, how we see the world, and right now the world for the last three hundred or so years has been very, very mired in rational thought. It's been really, really big and. Uh, Rob Bell talks about this too about pre-rational thought, which is kind of like mysticism well not mysticism um uh, like magic being totally pre-rational like stuff like that doesn't make sense and we know is not true that people used to think like maybe if you can think about the myths and the gods back in Greek days. like that's not where we're at consciously now. So we don't say that those people that heard from Hercules or whatever, you know, like those things were not necessarily true. So then we get into rational and our whole Society, and I would say as a whole, is more predominantly gravitated towards rational thought. So there is nothing beyond this. This is all there is, and that kind of thing. And then there's transrational, which is super interesting because it means that you accept that rational, like that immunizations work (laughs) or whatever. And I'm not trying to say anything about the autism or any of that stuff. I'm not even speaking of that. I'm just saying, like, I got immunized for yellow fever. We know that those things statistically can work when you travel abroad to help you with your. Immunity. So that kind of stuff works. And there are still things we don't understand. That's what transrational is. It's the ability to say there are mysteries and there is rational. It's not to say that it's excluding rational or excluding the mystery. It's both. And not that rational can't lead us to mystery and vice versa. Okay. Can we go into that? I would submit this is my personal opinion that when he said it's the faithful servant and that the sacred gift is the intuition, let's look at that going back to Albert Einstein's phrase, he came up with E equals MC squared from a creative source. He feels like it came through him. Then he used the chalkboard and proved it with rational thought. Now, when I think of how I think of Einstein coming up with that, I think of him scribbling on a chalkboard and deducing through logic that answer. It was the opposite. And so my submission is that if you lead with the intuition and then use logical mind to play it out, that is when rational mind is useful. Eckhart Tolle said when people asked him in Costa Rica, what's your biggest achievement that you've ever had? The guy is obviously sold millions of books. He's friends with Oprah. He's got a lot of things to pull on. He said his number one achievement is the fact that he can stop thinking whenever he wants. So he has kind of what I would say, I just explained trans rational thinking. I think he's kind of trans thought. So before there was people without thoughts, we're just kind of like the animals. Then we're in thought, which is where we're at right now. We're so caught up in thought using the rationality we have like a crazy person. And then we're going to get to the point where we recognize through meditation and all of these realizations with intuition that we don't actually have to think nearly as much as we are. We don't have to use rational mind nearly as much as we do and because it's usually being used by the ego. And then we'll get to this point where we use it as a fine tool We're going to use it very adeptly when we need to, and we'll put it down when we don't. So we're not sitting there doing pro and con lists all day long like the ego loves to do. We're just going to listen to our intuition and then plan what needs to be done next based on what we hear, period.
1: Which is this era of enlightenment, I feel like.
0: Yeah, and enlightenment's wonderful. It's not like this permanent state. It's a moment-to-moment experience that you can have just as much as Eckhart Tolle has. He's just kind of as we look at it in time, seeing that he's been able to do this at a very deep and profound level for a very long amount of time. He can put those moment to moment to moment to moments together such that we look at him and say, oh, he's enlightened. But the truth is, he's only enlightened in this moment because that moment is all there is. He's just been able over time to predominantly sustain it for much longer than most people. But all of us have equal access to that. And we can have it for one second today, three seconds next week or whatever. You know, we can have it and fall out of it and get back in it on a moment to moment basis.
1: Okay, that is fascinating right there. Also, I completely agree. And then I always thought that Einstein was just a genius, right? And he just came to E equals MC squared through rational thought.
0: This is fun. This is like weaving together all of these things. I love this stuff because to me, it's all after doing 12 years of study on this stuff, weaving together to make a beautiful tapestry that I like see all the pieces fitting into now. And it's so exciting to be able to pull from. So genius. You just said the word Albert Einstein and genius. Have you listened to the Liz Gilbert TED Talk about genius? Yes, yes, yes. Do you remember
1: what she said about that? I just remember she used the word genius as you're using the word intuition and that it's a source to tap into. You wait for it, you do your work, and it comes.
0: Yes, 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 yes. Exactly. What Liz says is it's your job to do the work and keep showing up. And eventually one day – and she's not saying this herself. She's saying that genius was considered back in Greek and Roman times. I may be getting this factually wrong. I haven't watched it in a few years. So go watch the TED Talk to get this exactly accurate. But back in the day, people had this idea that genius would come and – frequent you and it would come and visit through you and it would do this wonderful work and you were just there to show up and be available for it as that channel. Now, what's interesting is they kind of describe it as this really rare fleeting, can't do it very often, now and then you get lucky thing. I believe that you can actually train yourself and tune into it much more frequently, aka writing to your intuition on a moment-to-moment basis. So I don't think it's nearly as rare as people make it out to be. And I've spent the last better part of this year trying to learn how to develop that in myself as much as possible. And. When you say Albert Einstein's a genius, isn't that interesting? So it is sort of what you said is true. It came through him, his intuition. Like he said, the intuition's the sacred gift. It came through him. He created the available place for it. So he loved playing the violin. Poorly, He wasn't even very good at it, but he used it to turn off his rational mind to create space. This is why people get so many great ideas in the shower. They're creating space for that intuition to leak through. Every now and then the brain turns off enough, the ego will stop playing with the rational mind enough that... The intuition can speak through, an inspiration can come to you, and then you can use that rational mind to do the planning. Let's say you get the inspiration to go to Thailand, then you need to go buy the ticket, you need to get on the plane on time, and all of these things the rational mind can help you with, that's useful. Deciding to go to Thailand with the rational mind, not worth the time find the intuition's guidance, and then use the rational mind to follow through. It's one and then the other. The problem is in our society, we're not even thinking there is another way of doing it. So all we're doing is having this ego, playing with this tool, and it's kind of like scissors. Scissors can make beautiful origami or like snowflakes, like right now with the paper snowflakes, or you can like stab someone with scissors. It's just a tool, but it can be used for good or bad, depending on what source within us is using it. Yes.
1: And it's not that Albert Einstein was a genius. He was accessing his genius and using it for
0: good. 100%. And we can all do this ourselves. It doesn't mean that our genius is going to be in the same realm. We're all individuals that are going to have different strengths. This is so fun to talk about. All right. So I have this whole new theory on and this is just personally what I've been thinking a lot about lately. We have a trillions of cells in our body that are being born and dying constantly. And all we are is a collection of cells, right? And over like seven or nine years, after that amount of time, all the cells in our bodies have replenished. So we're kind of a new person every seven to nine years because the cells have turned over. You are. You're in a science
1: state of mind. I love that you're all sciencey right now.
0: Oh, just wait, Erin. I'm going to take a turn right now. <laughs> I love that you like this. I am saying that and you're on board. Here's what I'm going to say next. Let's see if you stay on board, stay on the bus or not. You could fall off. It's fine. We'll talk about it. Here's my theory. The human race, this is something Jesus talked about. He talked about the body of Christ. Now, I'm not trying to say Christ and get people freaked out, but the body, right? The whole. So Rob Bell brought this up and everything is spiritual and I think it's so true. So the whole, all of us, the human race is its own, if you think about it, entity. And we're all different cells in that body of the human race. So what's interesting about that is, Oh, there's so many things that are interesting in this area specifically, but we're all different cells. So when I'm saying Einstein's really great at science, his genius you know, comes out in that way. Looking at the human race, comparing it to our bodies, it's like there are fingernail cells, there are eyeball cells. There are hair cells, there are muscle cells. There's so many different cells in the body and there's so many different strengths that people have. And all of those strengths playing out with this divine intuition or this greater source within us that's consistent and the same along everyone's Fiber, everyone's being—it's going to come out differently depending on the type of cell in a way that you are. And I'm not trying to define ourselves or anything, but it's interesting to think we have different strengths. And when we channel that intuition, what comes out will look different for different people. Some of it will look similar to others, and some of it will look very different to others. So I'm never going to come up with E equals MC squared, but I, for some reason, have this really strong connection to this intuition thing. And for me, when I listen to my intuition, a lot of it is around this work and helping people do this. And other people that would not be their strength. And that's totally cool because the body needs fingernails and hair and nails and teeth and all the different things that we have in our bodies.
1: Totally. I mean, I think essentially you're just zooming out of the our very scientific understanding of what a cell is. And you're saying, okay, well, if a cell looks like this under a microscope, let's zoom out. And this is what the universe looks like under a microscope, right? Yes. Yes. Different cells
0: parts, different moving parts. It all works together. And I totally agree with you. Look at the planet. Look at us. We're just sitting on this planet. And here's the interesting thing too. When the ego's running our experience, and obviously it's running most of our experiences most of the time, that doesn't mean we're all killing each other. But I do think that when you think about things that are going on like in Syria and different places that have a lot of unrest and a lot of violence going on, it's ego gone to a very violent level. And it's kind of like cancer within a body. It's trying to replicate and it's trying to destroy. And if you think about it, intuition is when you pay attention to that source within you, it wants what is peaceful for yourself and finds peace in all things. It allows other people to be doing things that your ego is probably upset about, like laundry on the floor or your neighbor having a different faith in you. <laughs> you know, it's not trying to hurt and aggress against others. That's ego that does that. So what I find really interesting is... And This is so fascinating. I wasn't going to share this on the show, but I didn't have the opportunity for this to come up. So I have this theory. I found that that when you start giving to benefit the greater good, from a selfish and fun perspective, not from a place of lack, not from a this for that, but from a purely intuition, fun, selfish. This seems fun for me to do. Perspective, not out of a obligation, not out of like you know what I mean. There's a lot of ways we can do good, but we are doing it from ego. But I selfishly wanted to build that school in Ghana. I had $15,000 in debt when I started. Now I have Almost done with my second school. I can't even believe how fast this is coming for me. But I have this feeling that because I came from this non egoic place, or I had alignment. I had real intuition about giving. I felt totally right. It made no logical sense, no rational th- sense. My ego was scared because I was in debt. So, how could I be giving money when I had debt at the time, right? There was no logic or ego around it. It was purely intuition. But because it was coming from that place, I think that it's because I as a cell and benefiting the greater body of the human race, that of course my cell is going to be healthier and stronger and happier and all these things. Yes. Because I'm a part of this body that I'm benefiting. Does that make sense? But if you're hurting the body with violence or negativity or ego, all that stuff, then it's the cancer cells that are replicating and dying and destroying the situation. Absolutely.
1: And I think, I mean, I mean you just essentially green juiced yourself. You detoxed. Yeah.
0: It's also kind of a scarcity abundance thing, right? 100%. Ego sees scarcity. Intuition knows all is well. And abundance is essentially that.
1: And that totally aligns with your universal cell theory as well. Because intuition would say, this actually isn't really just about you. You know, there are billions of cells. It will be fine, right? This is this is not just the cell story. This is the
0: body's story. Okay, here. I'm going to do a little intuition stuff. Ask me a question about that, and I'm going to see what my intuition says.
1: My question is, how are you as important and instrumental to the human race as the next person? You're neither
0: more nor less important. You are the same, and all is unfolding in your favor. It's not for you to say what to do or how it will happen. It's going to work out. Just do what brings joy. That's what I heard. Now, what do you think about that? Does it even make sense? I'm getting, this is new for me to be starting to just answer other people's questions with intuition, but did any of that strike a chord? I was kind of checked out, so I'm not really sure if I can analyze it myself.
1: Absolutely. I think that everything that you're saying, I mean, from a very rational place, it makes sense that we are but instruments and that when you zoom away from ourselves, you're understanding the connectedness of the universe and the connectedness of the world. And that yes, it's not really about importance. It's about use and and not
0: about purpose, but about action as well. I think that alignment before action though. So if you can put your intuition's guidance before action and take the action the intuition guides you to, that's when everything goes incredibly well. And I've actually been feeling lately like, overwhelmed and a little bit like, who am I to be having this life? This is amazing and incredible. And, you know, a little bit of like worthiness stuff is coming up because I have this incredible life and it just keeps getting better. And then I've realized what it is. And I had to keep reminding myself this on the logical level because my ego is not there yet. But the truth is, I'm just following principles that are a part of the universe. So, It doesn't really like there's nothing like I deserve more or less. I'm just having the faith and maybe like I'm, yeah, maybe more out there, weird than other people. But in having the faith to follow the principles and getting the results, not because I'm better, but because I'm just willing to follow the principles that I think are creating these outcomes and other people aren't.
1: Yeah. I think you are allowing the time and space for that intuition to be reaching
0: you and for access. Yes. You're right. That's exactly what it is. That's exactly what it is. I just have the ability and the willingness. It's really just the willingness to practice it and to do it on a frequent basis. Other people have less of that. And so they're getting less guidance. And so they're going upstream more often and they're taking more action but getting less results. I'm taking less actions than ever and I'm getting greater results than ever. I can't even believe it. Like It doesn't even seem possible for me to work as little as I work and to have the results be as big as they are. And I'm still unfolding. I'm not perfect. I don't have every single thing that my ego's wish list wants in life. I don't have all the shiny pennies, but I have so many things that I'm loving so much. And my experience and quality of life is so strong now. It can feel overwhelming for my ego at times to handle. Oh, that makes total sense. But it doesn't mean I'm good or better or anything. It just means I'm able to apply the principles. That's it. And willing and willing willing and everyone can do that. And that's what I am devoting my whole show to is like, I'm not going to do the stuff that people expect or I know might be getting more downloads that are not this stuff. Because to me, I want to help people the most I can. And this is the stuff I know that helps, at least for me at this point in time, the most. And so that's what I'm going to share the most. Yeah.
1: You know what's funny about your science analogy with the cells and the cellular? I keep coming back to this. I'm so fascinated because I think it's true. Alignment before action is very scientific
0: as well. It's interesting. So let's move on. Okay. What I have on my notes, writing to your intuition. So have you heard me talk about that or do you want me to explain it?
1: I feel like we've gone into all of the definitions of of intuition. My question for you is when you write to your intuition, would you call this journaling? Do you always get a response that's
0: immediate? Paint
1: the picture for me.
0: So you could call it journaling. You could call it whatever you want. I call it writing to your intuition. I'll have a book coming out about it next year so you can see 70 letters of my own because what I have found is that, A, people kind of find how my year has unfolded from last year to this year pretty interesting. I've had my life change pretty dramatically and I've been able to do it with such joy. Like my life got better than ever before my divorce and then it got even better after that. And everyone kind of was like, oh, it can't be that good or waiting for the other shoe to drop. And it hasn't. And it's because I'm following my intuition are there moments that are difficult? Of course, but that doesn't mean that, like, overall, my quality of life and peace of mind in every part of my life in every way has not gone exponentially better as I continue to do this work. So, I'm sharing these letters as a way to explain that it didn't mean that I didn't have doubts or I didn't have questions, I just knew what to do with those doubts and questions. I put them to my intuition. So that's what the book's about, but the whole concept I'll explain right now, you don't even need to buy the book to start doing this yourself. Please have the openness to try it and not let the ego's resistance stop you from it because that's the biggest thing. Ego resistance tries to stop you from trying this with a million different excuses. All you have to do is sit down at your computer or your piece of paper and write down a question that you have about a subject in your life right now. So yes or no's can be hard, especially at first. So I would do more open-ended questions because you're gonna be able to sense more like, instead of second guessing, was that my ego or intuition? I'm not sure. Then you're gonna pay attention once you've written down the question. You're gonna stop thinking. Okay, you're going to stop the rational mind up in the ego, up in the head. You're going to stop that voice and you're going to wait and you're going to listen and you're going to pay attention to your chest if you're a heart person or your stomach if you're a gut person. You're going to listen to those places within you for an answer and it could take one second. Sometimes I hear the answer right as I'm writing or typing the question. So I'm hearing it right away. When that happens, I just write down what I heard and then follow up with another question and then another. And I just have this conversation with the intuition. And it could be something like, what should I do next? Or why am I upset about blank? That's one of my favorite things to ask. Why am I upset about the situation? And then I'll hear number one answer almost 99% of the time is because you're scared. So that, because that totally makes sense, right? Ego's all based on fear. So you're upset about this because you're focusing, your attention is focused on the ego's perspective on this. So then I say, why am I scared about this? And that's where I get the real information. And I said before our call that this can be Something I might try doing this for other people Well, they'll ask me their questions and I'll use my intuition to answer. And the reason that can be really helpful is because where they're coming from, when, they're, when you're staying stuck in the ego, when you're so stuck in that point of view, you're at the level of the problem not at the level of the solution. And the intuition's at the level of peace and the solution all the time. So it's like different frequencies and it's very hard for people to switch between them. I have a very easy ability to do that because I'm just so aware of what the ego's like that I can tell what's not that and I can access and have the willingness to access what's not that. But When you ask the question, it's on one level. It's really low and on the ground, in the fog. And then when you hear the answer, it's like, actually, it's a great way of putting it. I've flown so much lately. You know, if it's cloudy down on the ground and then you go through on a plane flight, you go through the clouds and you get up in their sun. There's always sun. The sun's always there, right? What happens is when you hear the answer, the answer is coming from above the clouds. You're out of the cloud cover. So you're waiting for that response and then you go back and forth. And it's really about the willingness to stop thinking and wait and ask and receive. It's really about receiving more than it is creating this answer. So if you're going to hear it, one way you'll know it's your intuition, if you're trying it, is that it'll be peaceful. It will be, even if your ego freaks out about the answer, maybe it says, you know, what should I know about this job? And you might hear like, the time has come for an end or something. And your ego might freak out about that answer at the same time that the answer when you hear it will feel peaceful. That's how you know that's intuition. And then you can follow up with all the fearful questions that your ego has around it and get peace about those answers too.
1: Mm, I think that's beautiful. I think too, rarely do we pause and even think about our current actions. We're not in the business of assessment, I don't think, in terms of personal responsibility and personal action. And I think it's a really beautiful concept to pause and say, okay, what role did I play in this? What do I want from this?
0: Where do I want to be here? Okay, what if we change assessment to guidance? That's what I'm doing, right? It's even stronger than that. It's like we think with our rational minds that we need to use that voice in ourselves because collectively the society is still run by that voice. So that's what you're going to hear other people say, right? You have to question where you're hearing guidance from and where that person's consciousness is at, because that's the advice that they're giving is from that place and perspective that they have. So there are other people that like Eckhart Tolle, I've watched him do it. I think Byron Katie does it as well. And Socrates even did this. Apparently, Eckhart was saying they just calm their minds and they just answer from that deep place within. That's how they live their lives is through that deep source. I think Nelson Mandela, actually watching him and learning a little bit more about him as well, learned how to get there too.
1: The interesting thing is it's something that, it's baby steps, right? It starts with one question a day, maybe one question a week, whatever. It's available to everyone.
0: It is, and it doesn't have to be one question. Honestly, I would say 10 questions because it only is gonna take five minutes. It's not gonna take you very long. And honestly, how much are you gonna stress about this situation in your life? for that amount of time. Like, are you gonna stress about it more than five minutes today? Why would you not try to have a peaceful understanding about it for five minutes and then have hours of peace after that? Or at least hours of awareness of the peaceful perspective. So it doesn't mean you have to live in it. It doesn't mean you have to, like when I knew my intuition was peaceful about the ending of that breakup, it didn't mean that I didn't spend a lot of time in the stress of how my ego felt, but it also meant I wasn't stuck with that as my only perspective. I had two and I got to get better and better at understanding and living the other option. And that is why it ended so well. That's why my divorce ended so well, because once I did it the first time, I knew how to do it the second. This is a tangent on relationships. Do you wanna go into it? Yeah. Okay. Totally tangenting right now. But since we're bringing up all these things that I talk about in real life, but don't have opportunities to share on the show, let's get into it. Relationships. So I kind of think of them like plane flights and they take off, however, they're going to take off. They're going to have whatever flight they're going to have, whether it's going to be turbulent or smooth, long or short, they're going to have whatever length of time they're going to have. And this applies to not just romantic. This could be friendships or even family members. And then they end. Now the ending, I think consciousness of us up to you know the last few decades, it kind of seems like the colloquial generalized way of ending especially a romantic relationship is to crash and burn it into the ground. So it just like crashes and burns and there's no love left. You kind of like end up hating the ex and you start negatively talking about them. And I think that Gen Y, I've watched so many people in Gen Y go through ending of breakups and not that way at all. And also there are exceptions in other generations too, but I definitely think that Gen Y and going forward even more and more generations to come are gonna get much, much better at this ending, but it's learning to land the plane. It's learning how to land a relationship and keep and maintain the love that you had in the past and going forward with this person in a new way in the future.
1: Mm, I think that's beautiful.
0: And that is what the intuition has access for. So the ego is the one that wants to crash the plane. The intuition is the one that realizes the plane can never be crashed, that nothing is lost, everything is gained.
1: Well, because the ego wants to be the survivor, right? Pick up the pieces and, you know, fix the broken leg from the plane crash, whatever. I get that.
0: It also wants to be the thing that crashes the plane and sees the flames. Mm. Yeah. The intuition realizes you can't really do that. It doesn't it wants to justify, it wants to be right and and the intuition has no interest in any of that. And that's what's really great about ending relationships from the intuition's perspective because it doesn't see loss, it only sees gain. That's pretty beautiful. Yeah, it's a beautiful way of living. That makes sense to me. I like that. So anyways, when we only have access to the ego that wants to see the flames, that's our immediate reaction. And that's the action path we take. But as you learn this stuff, it's not even just like that. It could be about career, right? You could crash and burn your career and like walk out of that office and not have a great experience or maintain all of the good that you learned from it and the coworkers and all of the love that was shared there too. This could be how you end any chapter that unfolds for the next thing to come. When you come from the intuition, you learn how to land that situation in a whole, intact and in a way that builds forward instead of feels like you're recovering from going backwards, which the ego thinks about.
1: And would you say that requires you to release a lot of control? Absolutely,
0: yes. Part of why we wanna be the hero and we wanna predict the flames is the control. And we want control because I said earlier, the ego fears uncertainty. It wants security, it wants to keep us safe. So it thinks that by controlling it, we will be safe. Actually, and when you do that, and you can think about this, Erin, have you ever had a time in your life where you were feeling stuck? Oh, all the time. Okay. So if you think about it, I would hazard to guess, and this is to guess, that most of the time your intuition has a different course of action for you to take next. Your ego is just too scared to do it or has so much resistance to even starting to look at what that other path might be, that it's just staying the course. And that's why you feel stuck. It's because you're not growing anymore. You're not expanding. And the whole universe, if you look at the big, bigger picture of we're just cells of the human body, of the human race. We're part of the universe. The universe is expanding at an ever-growing speed. So we are here to keep expanding. That doesn't mean we have to collect a bunch of shiny pennies and have more shoes than ever before. That could be part of it. It doesn't have to be. It could be expanding our presence, expanding our depth of knowledge in this area. It could be any different way of expanding. It doesn't have to be physical stuff. But that's the thing that ego wants to stop. Actually, this is interesting. This is my aha moment. The ego wants to stop us from expanding, if you think about it. It wants to look within. It wants to separate from the expansion. It wants to pull and retract. It's the part that sees scarcity. It's the part that is removing us from the flow of the universe, which is out and onward. And the intuition leads us there. Yes, because I would even say that it's easier to control
1: something smaller and something more quiet and something tinier and something that's like very scarce or incapacitated. You know, it's, it has a capacity. And when you go beyond that, you don't really know what happens.
0: Yes. You're surrendering to that. Yeah, that was the big thing I had when I sold all my furniture and didn't have a base. That was the thing I had to give up was like it was easy and known and I could control it to do things the way I thought it should be done because I'd seen so many others do before me to have furniture, then move to a new place and know where you're gonna be instead of having none of that and just flowing with faith that everything's unfolding in my favor always and yes, period.
1: I think that's why I just, I mean, I have kids, so I'm going to bring this in here, but I think that's why parenting is so tricky for some people and so difficult because there's no control. There's zero control. You're surrendering to the fact that your kids could do or be or say anything at any time and you are semi-responsible for that. And I think it's not that parenting is hard. It's that life is hard and we blame the kids, <laughs> you
0: know? It's not that parenting is hard. It's that not having control is really hard on the ego's sense of well-being. Totally. And we're blaming that one thing that we can find. Yeah. And it's interesting because you're growing and expanding with your children. At the same time. So you're having like your own growth and expansion and uncontrollable situations in a very stable and consistent environment where my environment's changing constantly. But I don't have kids or anyone else to really have to deal with on this journey. So we both have growth and expansion in uncontrollable things, which is good. That means that we're moving forward. We're expanding as the universe is expanding. We're part of this grand universe and participating fully. We're just doing it in very different ways. And we have resistance and ego stuff come up about different things.
1: Because we think that the opposite of control is chaos, but the opposite of control is
0: surrender. How about we say faith and allowing? Yeah, absolutely. Because surrender feels like a sense of pity or lack or weakness. And I don't see anything weak about following your intuition. Yeah, it's not a doormat thing. No.
1: And, And I don't think it's waving the white flag. I think it's, for your water analogy, it would be
0: floating down the river. Yeah, exactly. And that's one of our terms we'll get to in part two when we talk about the flow with intention stuff is the river upstream and downstream. That has been the most fascinating thing I've focused on this year. By Well, one of the most fascinating things by far is how to sense within myself when I'm going upstream and when I'm going down and to keep turning downstream, which for someone that's previously was very type A and very focused on trying to control as a J in the Myers-Briggs, although I've turned P, which is so interesting. <gasps> That is interesting. I know. I didn't even know you could, but I totally did. I was 75% P this time when I took it. And I did read that you can, as your circumstances change, you can kind of go to the another end of the spectrum. But when you go back to similar circumstances, you could go back. So maybe I'll get more J in the future. But I love being P. (laughs) I've really enjoyed the laid backness. That's right in line,
1: I think, with your theory that we're changing, we're evolving, we're growing. So of course your personality is not static. It's not the same. It's not stagnant. You're not stuck.
0: Yeah, that's true. And they also would say that growth is to really find the middle ground oftentimes between the two. So to strengthen both sides and to kind of growth could be going aligned more towards the middle between the J and the P or between the S and the N or that kind of thing could be growth too. That makes sense. Oh my gosh. Is there anything else you want to wrap up with here? Any other questions you want to cover in this part one? I feel like we covered so much. This was insane. I loved it. I loved it. What was the most interesting thing that will help you, you think? Or just a novel idea that you liked? I
1: like the idea of zooming out of your own cellular self and your own cellular perspective and seeing the bigger picture that if it is true that we are but cells, then Of course, the universe would be one body of multiple cells. We have cells within us and we are cells. That's a really fascinating
0: concept. And it's it's true. And it's fun to recognize that when you benefit yourself, you are benefiting the whole. And when you benefit yourself, you have something to give the whole. You can only give what you have. So going through and doing things, like I said, following your intuition. So not giving, like for example, when I brought up the giving thing, giving from a place of ego wanting something that it feels it's lacking or any other reason like that, I think is not going to see the results that I was describing. I think when you're in alignment with your intuition, about something, you're going to feel so much joy about that thing you're gonna do because your intuition's calling you to it, not your ego, that you're gonna benefit yourself and in doing so, it will benefit others. Even if it's just selfishly, you're gonna go buy a shoes, but that's benefiting all the people that made the shoes, that sold the shoes, and everything through that ecosystem, that's still benefiting the whole. When you're in alignment and you're following your intuition, all of it is contingent upon intuition, leading the action that follows. And
1: you, you hear that a lot and you hear it like, I think, especially when we talk about competition amongst others, you know, a, an opportunity for her isn't an opportunity, not for you, you know, and, but rarely does it feel so tangible as to when you think about yourself on a cellular level and your, yourself is is truly interconnected with others. And it's almost like when you shower and you're, you're putting your soap on your elbow, you're not missing soap from your knee too.
0: Maybe this will help explain your point too. So when we look at money as like, that's really hard for our egos to get around with the scarcity mentality. But the same thing is saying, you know, more money for me, it feels like it's less money for someone else. However, what we don't see that same limiting belief around is health. So you being healthy doesn't mean that someone else has less access to their own health. Yes. So you being healthy doesn't mean other people have less health to get. That's the thing. You being healthy means the human body's healthier. The human race is healthier. The only time it doesn't mean that, and it can, but and there's probably part of you that's like, oh wait, that doesn't ring true for all cases. I can see people being super negative and stuff. Yeah, there is ego. There is ego and which is trying to replicate and protect and contract. Oh, isn't this interesting? If you think about it, if the ego is trying to contract, like we said, the universe wants to expand and grow. The intuition wants that. The ego wants to feel safe and avoid uncertainty. So it contracts. And even as it tries to take selfish desires for itself, it's contracting. It's taking it for itself in a way that doesn't benefit the whole. And it's kind of like the interesting case of cancer or replicating diseases that it's hurting and killing off the life force of those around it through acting from that place. It's really all about it is oh my gosh, isn't that interesting just to think about it on the cellular level. If you think about thoughts within ourselves and whether they're creating benefit for ourselves or not, if the thought creates negative cells, or even if people on the people level create negative, then their life goes down. Or if they go out there and replicate it in others, then the human body gets Taking it contracting is where it all dies. Mm, it's something to explore. Yeah. So negative thoughts could create negative cells that could create negative experiences within our bodies, but also within our own lives as we take actions based on those thoughts and those negative cells that not only our health is necessarily kind of impeded upon, but could be hurting others in the greater facet of the human race. So it's like on three different levels, thought, individual, and universal.
1: This is so
0: fascinating. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I'm tracking with you.
1: I think that's the beauty of it. Is there when we are growing and expanding, there's always so much more to learn and so much more available to learn and if we're stopping and thinking and asking questions. It's astounding, I think how much uh how many times have you had a
0: conversation where you've learned so much from one other person. It's inevitable, right? Absolutely. And what's interesting is to think about when you start recognizing this and you start asking these questions and you start living from your intuition, it's going to be interesting because a lot of times our focus is on external expectations of others and our expectations of others. So when you start to follow your intuition, your intuitions, I want to say always, but I don't because I don't know if there's a case where it wouldn't be. But I've yet to find a situation where the intuition is not allowing of others to be and do and have whatever they want. Dude. This has been deep. That was a lot. Do you want to know It's
1: so funny is I have this like word doc in front of me and we got maybe 20 minutes in and I'm like, yeah, we're only gonna hit three of these. There's just
0: so much. Yeah, we'll do another one where we go through the life with intention terms and the flow with intention terms. And we'll see how long that takes. But this has been really good. It's fun to be able to talk about a lot of things that have been going on in my mind over the last year that haven't come out in the show. And to be able to share it with you and have hear your reactions to it and your perspectives on it has been fantastic.
1: Oh, well, literally, I listened to your podcast in the sauna. So now I feel like I can actually say, because I'm always like, but yeah, what about this? And then now I can actually say it out loud. So it's great. Erin, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you for being the show today. It was nice to have you. Feel like, I got to interview you.
0: It was great. And there you have it. Thank you so much for listening. And, Aaron, thank you for coming on the show again. If you want to send Aaron a message, you can do so over on Instagram and Twitter at Aaron Lochner. And if you want to find me on Instagram, Snapchat, or Twitter, you can find me at Jess C, as in Christmas Cookies Lively. For show notes for this episode, head over to JessLively.com slash LivelyLingo. And before I share where I'm headed to next, let's talk with Dara McCall about today's sponsor, Active.com.
2: Dara, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to tell you guys all about my favorite new fitness app.
0: Okay, so before we get to that, tell us a little bit about yourself.
2: Well, my name is Dara. I've been married for eight years. I have two little boys, a five-year-old and a three-year-old. We have grown up in Clarkston, Washington, and I ran cross-country in college, went to nationals for four years in a row, and here we are, you know, just living life and trying to stay healthy. Okay, so how did you discover Active? My friend, actually, who I work with, We both work in a weight and wellness facility and she texted it to me about 4 a.m. in the morning saying, hey, check this app out. You're going to love it. I checked it out, was thinking this is going to be like any other fitness app I've tried. Total opposite. It is amazing. So
0: why do you like this one more than all the other ones you've tried before?
2: This one is so unique in the sense that it has all these different trainers you can work out with whenever you want. It's The time is at your fingertips, the activities you choose to do. There's elliptical, biking, yoga, strength training, treadmill, outdoor running. And depending on what you want to do that day, you are able to do it. And which ones are you using most often? I use the treadmill the most. I also have just started doing more spinning. And I give credit to Aptif for that because there's no way I ever would have thought I could been on a, you know, a spinning bike and here I am and they're pushing me and coaching me. It's truly amazing. So you don't even have to go to a class. You don't have to worry about someone else's schedule coordinating with your own. Do you just go to the
0: gym to get on the treadmill and the spinning bike?
2: You can do that. I do know some friends who use the app and they do go to the gym. I actually do all my stuff at home and that's the beauty of the app. You can do it when you're traveling. You can do it from home. You can do it, you know, wherever there's an outdoor area you could go outside and do these workouts. It's truly a very unique and fabulous personalized app that people are able to use and have at their fingertips, which is amazing. Yes, and I know you're also training for
0: a half marathon. How did Active help you get there?
2: I had never had the desire to run a half marathon, and once I started with Active, they just kept pushing me in such a positive and encouraging way. I was looking forward to my workouts. I could not wait to get up and work out in the morning. So, I did a half marathon training and I went and did my first half marathon and it was I reached all my goals and I couldn't have been more excited and I give active credit. To
0: wait, that. so they have training programs in the running app portion for half marathon. So, like it kind of gives you the sequence of each training week from one to the next, what to do?
2: Absolutely. They have a 10k program, they have a 5k, half marathon, full marathon. They have and they have monthly challenges too, which is really cool. Right now they're doing a December to Remember challenge.
0: That's fantastic. What's that one about?
2: This one is about strength training and there's some hit workouts and definitely some plyo workouts. Each day is a little different, and you're just building on your strength. That's fantastic. So for anyone
0: who wants to give this a shot, as well as you're traveling or not traveling, if you have a gym membership or not, you can get a free 30 days to give this a shot over at aptiv.com. Go to a a p t i v.com, and this is just for Lively Show listeners. So there's not that long of a trial if you just go straight to the site. What you want to do to get the full month is click on the sign up button and enter the code the Lively Show. Dara, thank you so much for coming on the show and congratulations on your half marathon. Thank you so much. And now for where I'm headed to next, technically, as you are listening to this episode, I am flying from London to New York And then tomorrow, which will be Friday, I will be going from New York to Austin, Texas to spend the holidays with my family there in Austin. For those that are wondering, my parents actually live in Pennsylvania. However, my youngest brother, Michael, lives in Austin ever since I lived in Austin. And since then, we've kind of created this family tradition of meeting out there. There's so much fun stuff to do there. The weather's always more mild than it is up in Chicago or in Pennsylvania. So that is where we head off to, and I'll be there until the new year. And after the new year, I'm headed to an entirely new part of the world. I cannot wait to take you with me as I go on the 2017 version of A Lively Adventure. Until next week, which is gonna be a pretty interesting episode, I think, may something wonderful happen to you today.